February 25th, 2020. This is Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What She Said podcast. Let's talk about uh, the rundown for the show. We're going to talk a little Wilder Fury. We'll recap the fight. Uh, a couple notes on the Dodgers. Then we'll get into some NBA. We'll talk a little bit about that Kobe Memorial. And we'll close things out with some Sam Houston Wednesday analysis. Before we get into anything, it is hot as hell. I fear in Southern California right now. Woo! 80 plus degrees where, I, where I'm at uh, over in the Pasadena area. Just after it's been a little cool for a while, you get, a, you get an 80 to pop up and you're just, feels like 110. We, we, but we complain about, you know, weather in California. We're prima donnas for the most part. It's either too cold when it's not cold. It's too hot when it's, you know, it does get, get hot though. And then, you know, it'll be too hot. Uh, when it's raining, that's when it's the worst. Any unexpected water, no thanks. But the weather starting to heat up as we get into March, which I have to admit the, the March is the best month of the year. Because it's the month that uh, this guy was born Oh yeah, this guy This guy The birth month Okay, Who, who watched the uh, Wilder Fury fight? It was a one-sided Beatdown Was it not? Fury I'm going to read through a little bit of uh, an article That uh, I found Just kind of some, some notes that I like the, One of the greatest comebacks in sports history he knocked out Wilder in the seventh round, and he now adds the WBC heavyweight championship. The Gypsy King Tyson Fury, who wrestled he wrestled in WWE earlier this year, he had a match in the the Saudi Arabia show, and he still has a really good relationship with WWE. Don't be surprised if you see him make an appearance sometime soon, or maybe um, at some point after he's done boxing. But the the thing about Tyson is uh, Tyson Fury is the the story of him. His struggles, his his past, and then his personality, his kind of magnetism as a whole. He's very charismatic, and he was, I mean, singing after just knocking out Wilder. He's just singing in the ring, uh, Miss American Pie with the audience, and you know, basically putting on a karaoke show. What was really interesting about the approach and going into this fight, he. Had re- Fury had replaced his trainer, his the the man who kind of helped him get through all the struggles when he had gained hundred pounds. He was addicted to drugs. He wanted to kill himself. The man who helped him get through all of that, he replaced him. And his new approach was pack on a little bit more weight for this fight. He ate more. He ate six meals. He drank eight liters a day. He was looking for that side advantage, size advantage. He weighed in at 273. Wilder was in uh, weighing in at 231. And both of them come into this fight undefeated. Their only blemish was when they had a draw against each other previously. And so you think, you know, they, they have a draw. Both sides felt like they won because it felt like Fury. They in, in the first fight, they really lived up to the reputation of their strengths and their weaknesses in that Fury... More of a boxer Seemed like he won more rounds in the fight But Wilder was able to knock Fury down a couple times And this time It was just not close From the beginning uh, Fury was just looked much quicker It looked like the added weight Was kind of 
a little too much for Wilder And now we've found out a little bit more in, in days since Why he thinks he looked a little bit slower We'll get to that in just a second But Let's go through the fight a little bit um, You know It was the first time in a di- In 10 years That Wilder was knocked down and he was knocked down twice in this fight by Fury And remember going into the fight Fury had said I'm going to knock him out I'm going to knock him down And everybody kind of thought he was laughing and joking He said he was going to do it in the second round But he He really did have a much more Aggressive approach By the 6th Wilder was bleeding from the ear And his legs were just gone uh, The threw in the towel at 139 mark of the 7th round When his uh, Assistant trainer threw in the towel You know it was a, One of the more impressive fights I can remember seeing in, in this kind of a big big fight As he was a slight underdog In the fight going in Fury And He was just So much more Offensive In this fight And He you know A little bit Just kind of a tad slow To start A little feel out process But it wasn't long Before You could tell that Wilder Was just a little bit He just wasn't quick He wasn't moving very well Uh, To start the third Wilder got dropped Big right The quick jab and it was the, the, the only the second time that he's been on the floor as a professional boxer And the first time, that was a, t- a decade ago, 30 fights ago Now Wilder's bleeding from the ear Fifth round, his legs are completely gone And he's just kind of like swinging And then in the sixth, it was, you know, he just continued to Fury just pours it on midway through the seventh uh, Wilder's assistant trainer threw in the towel and the head trainer disagreed So now there's been some battling in the Wilder camp Wilder did not want him to throw in the towel He said he's always been the kind of fighter Who is willing to kill someone in the ring He's willing to die himself um, Because that's what he, you know, he's a warrior He feels like he, he'll go out on his shield And that's what the head trainer had said uh, Mark threw the towel I, I don't think that he should have Fury was 82 for 267 punches 30% compared to only 34 uh, punches landed for Wilder of 141 Which is 24% That's from CompuBox uh, 58 power shots In less than 7 full rounds for Fury And he only hit 38 of those In the entire first fight He was a winner of all but one round On the all three judges scorecards at the time Wilder earned uh, the same $25 million purse for Saturday's fight With the potential uh, you know, for more based on pay-per-view res- uh, receipts It was his first defeat in 44 pro fights uh, Wilder said the best man won tonight I can make no excuses, I had a lot of complications But we'll come back around and we'll look stronger last, uh, last time out And now so, Fury who's been the lineal champion He was never defeated for his championships He had to give them up because of his Struggles, uh, testing positive Drug issues um, And Now he's held the WBC He's held the WBA, the WBO The IBF titles, he he won those In 2015 when he beat Klitschko And, and he, never, he never lost them Now Anthony Joshua has those belts And that's going to be the next big fight After what looks like the rematch That we're going to get Um 
here here's the the latest from the the Wilder Fury fallout. Wilder wanted to make his ring. Uh, this is from uh, Kevin Ioli. Uh, Wilder wanted to make his ring walk prior to the fight. On Saturday special, he wore a 40-pound costume as a tribute to Black History Month, but Wilder said the costume was too heavy and the reason he didn't have his legs under him in the seventh-round loss to Fury. He will go to Africa at the end of March on vacation. He plans to exercise his rematch clause for a third fight with Fury. So, yeah, there was a rematch clause, um, and they will have a a Fury-Wilder 3, it looks like. Wilder is upset with assistant trainer Mark Breland for throwing in the towel to stop the fight. He suggested that Breland will no longer be a part of the team. So the assistant trainer who threw in the towel, he's gone. He was displeased with the work of referee Kenny Bayless, who took a point from Fury in the fifth round. But he went out of his way to congratulate Fury. Yeah, it was kind of weird. He, he's still Wilder where he's kind of starting to make a few, I don't want to say excuses, complaints, and then he makes an excuse after this. He's definitely... Very, very complimentary of Fury. He never says that he would have won. He just kind of makes excuses, or maybe gives us reasons for why he wasn't as sharp. Wilder was knocked down in the third round of the heavyweight fight by a straight right hand, then again in the fifth with a left hook to the body. His balance seemed off for much of the fight. He slipped several times and went down. He said he wasn't hurt by the punches and wanted the chance to continue. He didn't hurt me at all. This is a quote from Wilder. But the simple fact is my uniform was way too heavy for me. I didn't have no legs from the beginning of the fight In the third round my legs were just shot all the way through But I'm a warrior And people know that I'm a warrior A lot of people are telling me it was looked like something was wrong with you Something was but when you're in the ring you have to bluff a lot of things I tried my best to do so But I know I didn't have the legs because of my uniform I was able to put it on for the first time the night before But I didn't think it was going to be that heavy It weighed 40 some pounds with the helmet All the batteries I wanted my tribute to be great for Black History Month I wanted it to be good and I guess I put that before anything So He's saying the reason why he looked wobbly and he wasn't quite as quick and sharp had nothing to do with extra weight on his body that he gained. It had to do with the extra weight that he wore to the ring in his ring entrance where we saw two amazing ring entrances. That's the thing about Fury, right? Not only is he a very good fighter, but you also get everything else. You get the pomp and circumstance. You get him being carried down to the ring. You get him winning. You get him singing after the ring. You get him kind of talking smack, but you get a guy who's been... Through the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows People can relate to him A lot of people deal with mental illness And depression And some of the things that Fury has been through Addiction And so you're you're able to really relate to a guy Who's at the top of his craft now And he's got this incredible personality And we're, looks like we're going to get a Wilder Fury 3 At some point uh, this was from Wilder. I'm super happy for Tyson Fury. I really want to give him my complete congratulations. He's had a lot of great accomplishments in his career, and this is right there with all of them. Very excited about his career and what he's done. He deserves a lot of credit. And these guys like each other. Fury says, you know, very, very complimentary stuff about Wilder. Also, you know, he's going to be back. He'll be a champion again. Um, you know, and, and Dan Raphael had, uh, article. Yeah, they said about the rematch. Um, from Wilder, we're definitely going to exercise it. We fought to his disputed draw with Fury 14 months ago. We're looking forward to it. I'm a warrior and a true champion, and I fight like that every bit of the way. We're definitely going on with it, that's for sure, by the summertime. So uh, both sides had the right to invoke an immediate third fight, regardless of the result. This was, you know, definitely a big one sided fight, but um, it was a big fight. It was a big deal. I don't think 
I don't think it was bad because it wasn't a bad fight. It was just a dominating fight, right? Neither guy was, I mean, it wasn't like a fight where both guys are a little bit tentative. Nobody's really throwing any punches. Nobody really wants to get knocked out. It was just a beatdown, which that's not bad. And it wasn't a, um, you know, a one round or early knockout. It went seven rounds, but it was just watching a really good boxer pick apart someone who just didn't seem 100% prepared, as prepared as Fury was. And so now you think about this rematch and then the fight with Anthony Joshua. That's going to be what's uh, what's coming up next for Fury. And we heard the longtime trainer and boxing commentator, Teddy Atlas, compare Tyson Fury to Muhammad Ali. He said he's Ali. You know, he, he, he kind of prefaced it with saying, is he, you know, as big, as well-known as... Ali or you know is he maybe not quite as good overall as Ali but he's the world heavyweight champion he has this unbelievable charisma he is able to connect with people on this innate level that a lot of you know world heavyweight champion boxers kind of can't do he just seems like a regular guy and he's smart he's eloquent he's just he's He's flawed. Anybody that's flawed, I think, is always uh, I was I appreciate like seeing someone's struggles or just knowing their struggles because we all have struggles, right? And anyone that looks like they're perfect, we know that they're probably not. Whatever whatever issues they have to deal with, whatever crosses they bear, they they have you know they deal with them in the private of their own home. But when we see someone's out in public, um, it you know I respect them a lot more even because it's hard to be out in the public a lot and. And Fury has just been up and down, and now he's up again, and, and hopefully for a long time to stay as the the heavyweight champ. There'll be a rematch with Wilder coming up uh, again. We'll find out soon, and then hopefully, you know, if Fury wins that, or we'll see what happens in the, in the Wilder Fury three fight. Jo- Anthony Joshua will be next, and we can get like a real, real undisputed heavyweight champion. There's interest again now in the heavyweight division in boxing. Tyson Fury is interesting. He's fun. He's charismatic. I like him. I'm paying attention. He was one of the 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 three, you know, of these guys between Fury, Wilder, and Joshua are the ones that kind of got me back in being interested again in the heavyweight division and really uh, Fury with uh, with everything he brings. Let's shift over just a few quick thoughts on uh, on some Dodger stuff that I've heard. Really good stuff from everyone talking about how Mookie Betts has been received early on from the team. Apparently, he came in and like addressed the club right away. He's getting there before anyone else. He's out there really early, and uh, the players really seem to respond uh, very well. Justin Turner absolutely loved it. Uh, he said the first week, first week he's here, he's getting early, he's getting out before guys were getting going. We didn't really have that many conversations with him. We just kind of assumed he was a quiet guy. Then day one, you realize you were way off. He's proactive. He's, he goes, let's get in front of this. Day one is as urgent as Game 7 of the World Series. It was awesome. Um, and then Kiki Hernandez talks about how the first day of spring training, he addressed us as a group, and, and he doesn't even know us. That's not easy to do the way he did. He said, this is how I play the game, and, I, and you know we all respected the heck out of him for it. And Kiki said it made him feel like uh, I'm really make me feel like I'm really looking forward to playing a full season and being around him and seeing the type of leader he is. After hearing that, he's not just going to be impactful on the field; he's going to be impactful 
in the clubhouse. So really great reports on everything um, in Dodgerland from Mookie Betts so far. One unfortunate thing is like every day there's more and more that keeps coming out about the Astros stuff, right? So today the baseball reporter, analyst, writer, Tom Verducci was on MLB Network and I guess this is two thousand. Uh, this is yesterday, right? So this is Monday. So he's on MLB Network and he went back and watched after we've now found out that the Astros were cheating throughout the playoffs, were th- cheating throughout um, baseball uh, playoffs, were cheating throughout the World Series in 2017. We find out that in that Game 5, the Game 5 of the World Series. Now keep in mind, in Game 1 of the World Series, Kershaw was awesome. Game 5, he's terrible. In fact, he throws 51 sliders and curveballs and got zero swings and misses. The odds of that accidentally not even having one or two swings and misses after having just completely dominated completely dominated them in game one of the World Series. In game one of the 2017 World Series, Kershaw went seven innings, gave up three hits, and one run, he struck out 11. Dodgers won that game 3-1. to In game five of the 2017 World Series, then, the Dodgers lose a game 13-12, he goes four and two-thirds inning, he gives up four hits, six earned runs, Three walks, only two strikeouts after having just struck out 11 a few days prior. And then, in Game seven, uh, 7 of the World Series, back at Dodger Stadium, where it was probably a little bit harder for them to cheat, he comes in in relief and goes four innings and gives up two hits and no runs and strikes out four. So isn't it strange that Kershaw, who... You know, he gets the crap for being the guy who never delivers in the playoffs. And then you go look at, there's a, a tweet that I always post out, and it's um, John Wiseman, and he's got all of his postseason starts listed, and more than half of them are excellent. And then and then there's another chunk that are very good, and there's just a chunk of four or five that are bad. They're... You know, it's like anything. You see kind of a young guy who was kind of asked to do a lot early on in his career when the Dodgers didn't have as good of teams. But then what's what sucks now is these 2017, 2018 years when the Dodgers had their best teams, we just never know. Now we know that they were cheated. 51 pitches between sliders and curveballs, and they did not swing and miss one time. Not one time. We just not we knew they had they had all the they had all the information. They knew exactly what was coming. Uh, there's just going to continue to be more and more that comes out. Now the only thing the Dodgers can do is go back and play some baseball and hopefully win this year and hopefully Kershaw can get a World Series one of these next few years and kind of get that monkey off of his back. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be back and we'll talk a little NBA here on That's What G Said. 
Just wanted to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off of your entire purchase. These are all natural soy wax candle. They candles, they burn longer. They are better for you than the candles out there that have that traditional paraffin wax. Uh, I know the people from this company personally. I've grown up with them my whole life. They love candles. And the goal was to, to have an affordable candle that everyone can enjoy. Use that promo code G-I-N-O. My favorite is Fresh Roses. The Fresh Roses scent is awesome. If you're a horse racing fan, they got Del Mar in there. You ever want to know what Del Mar smells like, but you couldn't make it out there? Order your candle right now from Sarah Candle Company. The website C-E-R-A Candles.com Sarah Candles.com. Promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your purchase. So just some quick uh, NBA Thoughts on where where was I wrong Where was I right or what what were some of the Things that surprised me the most so far We only have about you know 25 games left for a lot of these teams So obviously I think you have to Start in the east and you have to just every time You talk about the league right now You have to mention Milwaukee and just Give them them credit for what they're doing And just I don't think enough people are talking about the Bucks Because they just keep winning and they just kind of Do it it's funny we say we do they do it under the radar. They have a plus twelve point two point differential. They've won you know three games in a row again. They have they're twenty six and three at home. This team is incredible. Even when Giannis is off the floor, they're not playing even their stars and their starters a ton of minutes. They are well coached. They play great defense. They shoot the ball. They can just beat you up, and they have they have a seven game lead in the Eastern Conference right now. The Toronto Raptors. I actually thought they would still be good. I don't think I thought they would be this good. I don't think they would uh, be, you know, the se- the current second seed and have, you know, put together a couple of really nice win streaks. They beat the Lakers earlier this year. They just are they're deep and they send in players. They play so hard every single night. Um, they're pretty well balanced. They have a couple really good wing players who can, you know, D you up, then go get theirs. We've seen Siakam take a leap. When Van Fleet's in the mix, he's, you know, he's taking another leap. Lowry is a good leader for this squad. This is a good basketball team. They're going to be a tough out for anyone. I still, I'm still not quite as high on them as maybe a couple other teams in the East, but, you know, Boston, Boston's better than I thought they would be. You know, I, I think. We could probably have predicted Boston would be somewhere in, you know, the three, four, five, six, you know, as far as the playoffs are concerned before. But I think their team is better. They're, the more that Jason Tatum continues to grow, and that's why. Because even earlier in the year when they are they were good and they were kind of, you know, they had a good record, I didn't know what their ceiling was because Tatum wasn't really playing that great. He had a he had a really bad year last year. Beginning of this year he was okay, he was a little inefficient. He has taken an unbelievable step forward in the last month. What he's done against the Lakers, against the Clippers, he and and you know prior to that for a few weeks running, he's a great defender. His range from three is improving, and he's hitting just really tough, tough shots. But the key is that he's getting to the rim and he's finishing at the rim a lot better and a lot more than he did previously. He still has to work on. You know, passing out of the double team and playmaking a little bit, but you know he he is definitely a star, and I was really low on him last year, mainly because he was so like he was talked about, like he was like the best prospect in the entire league for a while, and 
I was kind of scratching my head because he he hadn't really progressed at all. He has taken more of a step in the last month than he did for two in two years. So and he he played well his rookie year in the playoffs. We'll see if he likes that big stage because he's he's just seemed to really light up when he's had to play you know some of the toughest opponents. Miami's struggling a little bit after some of the moves they made trying to incorporate Iguodala. And some of their new pieces And then Philly, you know, is probably one of the bigger disappointments on the year They're still 36-22 and 22. They're 27-2 and two at home But they are 9-20 and 20 on the road For a good team, they just don't care when they go on the road uh, They're better than that Is that something that's going to hold through into the playoffs? You just, they're, they're inconsistent on the road But at home, they're basically unbeatable Pacers kind of felt like where they should be The Nets, I mean, what a miserable Disaster of a year with Kyrie um, Now out for the year And who knows if, if you know if His body is going to quite hold up And we'll see what happens next year when Durant comes back But they're in the 7th slot, Orlando's in the 8th spot I think of the teams that Aren't good The one that surprised me the most I expected a little more from Atlanta They were really feisty towards the end of last year It looked like they were kind of well coached and they were um taking, you know, steps forward, progressing, and they, they've been one of the worst teams in the league this year. They've just kind of been the Trey Young show. And then over in the West, the the biggest surprise to me is the Thunder. They are a good basketball team. Chris Paul has really led this team. Gildas Alexander takes a neck uh, a nice step. Um Gallinari is just a good piece to have there And They're a team that's been overachieving Most of us figured they would just be a bad team And, and end up trying to get rid of Chris Paul Some people were assuming that he would just get bought out Or cut or whatever Bought It, it wouldn't be a buyout because he had a ton of money left on his contract But This is a good basketball team Right now They would If, if the season ended today They would be the 6th seed And they would be in a first round series against the Clippers you know how much fun I'm sure that would be for Oklahoma City Playing against the Clippers Where the Clippers just made the trade with Oklahoma City To get Paul George So you're going to have Shea You're going to have Danilo Gallinari Playing against Paul uh, the Clippers and Paul George You're going to have Chris Paul Playing against his old team in the Clippers That would be a ton of fun The Grizzlies are another one who They're starting to struggle a little bit lately They've lost three games And they, they've not looked very good coming out of the All-Star break They've lost three in a row um, but they're still in the AC. They're still two and a half games ahead of and three in the uh, in the loss column ahead of Portland and the Pelicans. And the Pelicans and Zion, they are rolling right now. Zion, I'll be you know I'll raise my hand and say right now he's better than I thought he would ever be. I wasn't sure it you know the, this. I think with with Zion, some of the the knocks on him can still be true for a while. Were, were that his durability. Right? Is he going to be how, how much is he going to be able to hold up Like a season or playing against Top level talent But he's been un- unstoppable Just incredible And then you know what, what happened with the Warriors With their injuries uh, The Kings have been kind of a disappointing team A lot of people assume they'd be battling for a playoff spot They would have to really play well down the stretch To make up you know about 5 games or so To get into the playoffs The Suns had a good start to the year But they've struggled so the, the, I think the biggest surprises to me throughout the the NBA season is the circled Oklahoma City Thunder. They are just so much better than than I think anybody expected. And what a, a job Chris Paul has done over there. 
revamping himself, right? He's got the plant-based diet going on now. And then in the East, I guess you could say a few. You know, I I would I'd probably put the Raptors up there with just how good they've been without Kawhi. Think about that. They lose Kawhi, they lose Danny Green. And it's like nothing. Just like nothing. It's always um difficult, you know, to talk about like the sad stuff, you know, on a on a show, but we had that Kobe memorial yesterday and it was very powerful. Um you know, t- t- touched on a few minutes. Just some of the things that stood out to me. You know, the people that spoke, and we saw how much, a big, how big deal Kobe uh, was to women's basketball with Coach Chino Oriyama from UConn talking about Kobe calling him all the time and asking him about rotations for for you know twelve and thirteen year old girls, and uh, and then we saw Tarasi come up. And she's the you know the best player in the history of the WNBA, and she's talking about the the impact that Kobe had on her, and she mentions uh you know Gia and how what a complete game she had for such a young girl, and how she already had a turnaround jumper, and she takes a shot at LeBron, which was funny. You know she mentions that uh that LeBron just got his turnaround last year, which is great because LeBron had just hit the turnaround jumper to win against the Celtics on Sunday, and. She was great, and then Sabrina, who is the who just was able to become the was was able to to hit a feat, an unbelievable feat, where she is the first ever. Let me pull this up. I just want to make sure I give her her fair due. She is the first player ever to score two thousand points, have a thousand assists, and a thousand rebounds in college basketball, male or female. Absolutely phenomenal And she talked about how she still Texts Kobe every day And she just hopes that he's going to respond Or just because uh, she doesn't She doesn't want to think about him not responding And um, Vanessa Bryant Kobe's wife, the mother of, of Gia She talked And she was so strong and so powerful I don't know how she did it I really don't with all the loss she's had And she went up there in front of everyone With this thing being broadcasted all over And she just gave an incredible Incredible speech um, About Kobe and, and, and her daughter And we got to you know find out some things About both of them that we probably didn't know And some funny and some goofy things And and then we heard from you know Kobe's best friend Rob Polinka, Who's the, the GM of the Lakers And you know, he told stories and he told a great one of how after Kobe stopped, uh, after Kobe retired from basketball, they went and um, they picked up tennis and and he said they were they were playing tennis against each other and at the beginning Rob was a little bit better than Kobe. They, neither one had really played a lot and so then the next time that they played, uh, Kobe just destroyed Rob and he apparently had been getting a ton of lessons from the tennis pro. You know, that's just the stories we hear about Kobe. Th- to me, the most um, of of all the speakers. Michael Jordan was the one that hit me the hardest because we just saw this raw emotion from Michael Jordan. We saw him talk about how, you know, he's never been, you know, the 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 biggest, you know, especially recently. He, you just don't see him out there talking a whole lot anymore. And um, he's not going to go shower praise on everyone. And I don't think he liked a lot of, uh, th- through his life, a lot, a lot of the comparisons with Kobe and to Kobe. And. You could see as as Kobe got a little bit older and and a little bit longer into the league, Michael I think started to uh to appreciate him a lot more. And this this 
speech from Michael was just incredible. He talked about, you know, Kobe is annoying him. He's calling him at three in the morning, asking him about post-up moves. And, and then he's asking him, you know, what are you thinking when you're a kid at 12 years old, you know, or and you're trying to, you know, work on your game and this and that. And he said he was like my annoying little brother who just knew how to get under my skin. But he said that he, he brought out the best in me because he wanted me uh, he he wanted to be better than me. He wanted to do everything that I did, or he thought that I was, the, you know, the one to model himself after. And uh, it was just really, really powerful stuff. And then, of course, he made a crack, a crack about how he's up there crying, and now there's going to be a new crying Jordan meme for the next, uh, you know, few years. And it was it was excellent. And then Shaq, I believe, closed it out, and he was funny, like you could imagine. He he gave a couple really good stories about you know young Kobe. He said. Um, uh, that you know, Robert Ory and and Rick Fox and some of them were telling Shaq one time that you know Kobe's not you know he's not passing the ball a whole lot you know go 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 tell something you know go go talk to him to him about it and he, so Shaq goes and talks to Kobe and he says you know Kobe man you got to pass the ball a little bit there's no uh, I in team and Kobe's response was yeah but there's a me motherfucker <laughs> and and that was that was great and that sounds like Kobe. And, uh, you know, he said something to Shaq, like, you know, I'm out here playing chess and everyone's playing checkers. And uh, Shaq and Kobe have definitely got along a lot more later in life. I think they both realized what it could have, should have, right? What could have been. They could have won, you know, maybe five, six, eight, ten titles together. Who knows? But different personalities early on. And we we saw Kobe really start to soften up later in his life. And it was a... It was a celebration of life. What we've seen too, it was sad because it it kind of opened up all the feelings from you know a couple weeks ago, which felt like we were starting to not move on, but just kind of move forward. But this was this was was very sad, but it was very. I think it was it was necessary for a lot of people to get out there to to get these stories out to kind of celebrate together one last time. Uh, about not the last time I'm sure Kobe's going to be celebrated many many times moving forward but just kind of all together uh celebrate uh, the life of of Kobe and, and 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 Gia. So one last Laker note before we shift on into Sam Houston. The Lakers do acquire Markeith Morris and this was a a really I think a big move for the Lakers and not that Markeith is going to, you know, score 30 a game or maybe even play 30 minutes. It just gives them something that they don't have. Someone, uh, another, you know, defender that they can throw at some wings. He would have been getting some minutes on Jason Tatum the other night. He'll be getting some minutes on Kawhi and Paul George and whoever the number ones from the other team, Giannis, you know. And he'll be, he'll, he's someone that you can get, you can throw another six fouls at someone. He's a tough guy. He's aggressive. He can score. He's shooting nearly 40% from three this year. He, a lot of his grades for the things that the Lakers need, he can, you know, make a play or two. He can kind of make a, get a shot for himself if need be. And he just gives you a little size and a little toughness. He's the brother of Marcus Morris, who the Clippers just acquired. And why I like this deal for the Lakers, even a little bit more than I like the one for the Clippers, even though Marcus might be the better player, I think Markeith brings a little bit more to the Lakers what they needed. And Mar- and the Lakers were able to get this deal done without giving anybody up. This was just a buyout. They cut um, 
DeMarcus Cousins, who was not going to play the rest of the year, and, and DeMarcus Cousins is still looking like he's working out with the Lakers and going to be you know, probably back with the Lakers next year. So you're able to get rid of someone who hasn't played a minute for you all year and isn't going to play this year, and you bring in someone who could be a, a really nice part of your you know, 7-8 man rotation. I like this move quite a bit. Our friend Alex Regla, who we had on the show a few weeks back, he pointed out a couple uh, real interesting things. Um, at 6'8", he joins LeBron and Kuzma as the only current non-bigs that are at least 6'7". So we have now another big wing. That's something that this team kind of gets exposed on against the teams that have really good wings. This was a quote from Markeith Morris who said, Some teams don't like the physical play. Some people don't like being fouled hard. At the end of the day, it's a physical sport. It's a man sport. We're going to do things. We're going to do the right things, but we're not trying, and we're not trying to hurt anybody, but sometimes you're going to have to pay for getting into the paint. We just want to make, uh, make you feel us more. He is posting career shooting numbers this year with Detroit. And what Alex is pointing out is it's probably because of how he's changed his shot selection and his shot profile. He's taking way more what are called money ball shots, which are either a three-pointer or a shot coming right at the rim. These are known as the high-percentage shots. That's what a lot of these teams are doing now. You either want the you know right at the rim or three-pointer, you're kind of eliminating the mid-range. So Alex is mentioning that this change, coupled with also being assisted on his makes more than any other season, signals his ability to play off others. And on this team with LeBron going to be on the court for 40 minutes, he's going to be getting assisted on a lot of a lot of his shot takes. Uh, he will get more chances to do this next to the Lakers star, and it could mean he improves even further. Uh, the biggest area where Morris can help is simply by helping players slide into more appropriate spots. Morris even mentioned today that he is happy to be there because it's going to help move Kuzma to the three. Kuzma is a bigger player than you think, but he doesn't do well when he has to guard up and has to guard bigger. Kuzma actually does very well when he has to guard someone that's a little bit smaller than him because Kuzma has good footwork when you watch him. And you watch his offensive game. He has good footwork. He's he's long and he's not slow. So he his size is able to kind of disrupt. You know, some he actually did a really good job guarding Jason Tatum the other day when they put him on Tatum. He's done a decent job sometimes when you throw him on on Kawhi. He did a decent job in one of the games when you threw him on Westbrook because his length will bother them a little bit. And he, as a scorer, kind of knows some things to take away. And it's it's an effort thing too. Kuzma gives you effort. So he's going to be at the wing now, and that's able to put more a little bit more. It's able to put Morris over at the four, and that's going to help the whole team and and just the the rotation. And it's just going to give this team a lot more options here. And what's nice is that if Morris is nothing, if he struggles and he doesn't really make a dent, the Lakers didn't give up anything for him. And he's not someone that that they're going to expect to play or even expects to play heavy minutes. He's kind of coming here knowing what his role is going to be, and he seems to really accept it. So he's going to be playing uh, against his brother, who's going to be who's over on the Clippers. That should be fun when the Morrises go, uh, go head up and head up. Let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to get on over to Sam Houston. 
One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full-service realtor really is. So you're right, Gino. Besides me being uh, a full-service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What G Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Okay, get your past performances out. Let's talk some Wednesday. Sammy Houston. Let's get to race number one in here. And we'll play a pick three starting in race number one. These are maidens, $25,000 claimers. They're going to go a mile on the main track. Let's go to the seven in here to start with Quinn Ella. Quinella, Ella, 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 A, 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 after my Quinella. She most recently faced better against Mason's Maiden Special Weights, going seven furlongs. But let's go back to the two back, uh, the two back effort where she's a good second coming from off the pace in the slop. Even last start, you, you break a few lengths off, and then she gets hooked four deep all, and makes a move all the way up to challenge before fading. It really wasn't bad. Now you're going to go third start off the short break. You're going to drop in class. You're going to stretch out. You're probably able to show a little bit more speed in here. You know, I look up and down this race. There's not a ton of speed, right? Where's the early speed going to come from? Maybe the three. Cecilia is a gem. Uh, I think the seven from the outside is either going to be right on the lead or sitting very, very close. Let's put the number seven, Quinn Ella, on top. We'll make a few. Uh, we'll pay a few bucks to win on this one if we can get anything over, you know, three to one. And I have this race seven two five spectacular temper, the obvious one to beat for Carl Broberg. I will use in some early pick threes, and then the five super legs. If you want to go uh, and use one more there, super legs also coming out of that very same race on February the eighth. I actually just thought super legs kind of. 
you know, ran up late, whereas Quinella was early was involved in the race and took a big shot before fading. So I prefer much prefer Quinella out of that one. We will play a pick three starting in race number one. We'll get to that uh, at the end when we go through the uh, the wagers. Pick four starts in race number two at Sam Houston. These are Texas Reds maidens twenty five thousand. These are going five and a half furlongs, and I like the four in here. A midnight gift. I, I just think this is really, really the one to catch. Who is going to go second start of the year? Hadn't raced since August. That was over at Rotama. Comes into Sam Houston on February the eighth. Speed fade. You know, was facing better too. That was made in special weight Texas breads. Now you're going to get the drop in class. You're going to get the cutback. You have speed who should be much fitter now with that race under their belt. I'm expecting this speed to go a lot longer. A midnight gift going to be the top selection in here. If you just look at a horse like this, he hasn't ever really gotten an opportunity to get some flow to get a couple races under his belt. I think he'll take a, a nice step forward here on the drop in class. The four, a midnight gift. The the seven, wild and golden. Let's look at the the two back start at this level against the maiden twenty five thousand claimers. That January twenty fifth race when the runner up. Just a repeat of that it would put him right on the wire. That would make him really really tough in here. The two is the one you know that. It's the morning line favorite, but he has not raced since August of 2018. I am completely okay with taking a shot against him. I think one of the logical horses to use getting back to the the main track is the three expect a cat who raced at Sunland and Zia and just has a couple competitive races there um, against softer, but at least he's done some okay things. So I'm th- I'm four seven three in race number two. We'll use those three. I have the four. On top, a midnight gift, but really the we'll we'll take a little swing against Forty, who has not raced in you know coming up on two years. We're talking about a horse who hasn't been on the track since August of 2018. So four seven three in race number two. In the third race, twenty five thousand claimers, non winners of two, five furlongs the distance. I like the eleven Bob's bad boy, another one who came off a very long layoff. On February the 1st And Bob's bad boy actually had a good start But everyone wanted to go for the lead So he was kind of behind horses In between and then he went down to the rail He started to move well but he was in tight He, You know you look at the race It really wasn't that bad he wasn't beating a whole heck of a lot It was his first start since September of 2018 Now he's going to go second start off the long layoff Parker jumps aboard I think Bob's bad boy is a Must use in all exotics If we can get you know Five to one or over. I think he's a play in here. We'll use the seven, commanding candy in all exotics. This one just comes in from fairgrounds and from Churchill for Carl Broberg and has has been facing better. So um, on, on the cutback in here, should be rolling late. The nine Mohawk is probably the one to beat. Just a repeat of that last effort would make him very very tough in here. And then you have the four Honus, who's the speed, a first time gelding who. Should be flashing some of that early pace But he did prove last time out That he can sit off a little bit If need be So you know if a couple of the horses to his inside Show some speed Honus might be able to sit off And also kind of get a jump on some of the deeper closers So 11, 7, 9, 4 In race number 3 at Sam Houston Let's get to race number 4 And we'll go to the 3 in here Frankly fun I think this guy is going to sit close You're able to to look at the the only other real speed in here is he's a ranger 
And I just don't I don't think he's quite as good as frankly fun. So we'll use the three who cutting back to six furlongs. If he's able to sit close cutting back, he might be really, really tough to pass late in here. The number seven toasting master, no doubt the one to beat, coming in off of three consecutive runner-up efforts, and all of those were against better. Um the Five long station makes a lot of sense If you look at the two races at the level Right here at Sam Houston Was just a runner up and was your beaten favorite And he makes a lot of sense in here for top notch connections uh, Asmussen, Aramia And then the two dominate You know that December 6th race At Remington Park was not bad It's just the last two for The last two starts, one of them for the new connections You have to see more from from Dominate, but I think it's interesting that Parker decides to take another shot uh, aboard Dominate. So we'll we'll throw this one and maybe some of the under parts of the exotics. Three seven five two. I'll have three and seven in all exotics in here with Frankly Fun and Toasting Master. Race number five. The the nine is the one that everyone's probably going to single in some early exotics and. Lady Shaman was extremely impressive She was battling All the way around the racetrack She put the speed away and then she was geared down Late it was really really impressive And She's drawn to the outside so she can sit A little bit but wow Is there a lot of speed on here in this race You can legitimately See Envision You know this race being run where Almost every horse to her inside flash speed The 8 Breeze Wider wants to go The 7 Ricky's Gift wants to go The 6 Royal Priority wants to go The 5 Always in the Money wants to go The 4 Sweet Mary M wants to go The 3 Boston Cadillac wants to go The 2 Cedar Hall wants to go What does that mean? The other Calhoun has a huge shot in here Big tiny I'm going to put the one on top of the nine I'll just use these two And all of the exotics So I'll just use the two Calhoun horses in here But the one Big tiny In her last start She broke well She tracked from three off She was in between Then she got shuffled back She was in a tight spot She was back to seventh um, She was up against the rail she, And then she angled off the rail And she really moved well Late for third I like Big Tiny in here quite a bit I think because everyone else to her outside Is going to go, she can kind of drop back I don't think she'll get the shuffle from the inside And she looks like the real true Closer in this field If the 9's not just better The 1 gets the trip Let's go 1 and 9 we'll use in all the exotics And we'll make a win wager on Big Tiny If we can get like 5 to 1 or so She should really get the benefit of a race That looks to be packed and loaded with speed Race number 6 at Sam Houston Non-3 allowance on the turf course in here I'm going to start with the 7 Destiny Awaits Who's going to go second start off the bench You have a uh, You have a 5 year old in here Who was racing over at Delta At Remington prior to that But look at the grass form There are only 3 races on the grass There were a 2nd and a 3rd at Fairgrounds Going a mile and a mile and a 16th for, against Maiden 30s The last one you see on the page Is a, a third at Evangeline Which was really solid in a similar type spot I think Destiny awaits Sometimes you get these horses who haven't been on the grass For a while and people kind of forget This one has some turf ability This is a Horse who was one on the dirt Going a mile so distance should be no problem For Destiny awaits now Going second off the short break Let's put the 7 on top in here and use all of our exotics The 1A sports fan 
would be my runner-up and probably the most logical winner of this race. So I think the seven uh, we'll use on top of the one A in all exotics. The number three Easter Snap, adding the blinks, returning to the grass where he's been good. Uh, I think he's a use in your exotics. The six Fluminous will come running late for Asmussen. He's faced better, and I think you can still give him a couple chances on the grass. He hasn't been that bad in his couple grass starts. He's actually stakes placed in one of them. The five Dauntless Prince, if you want to go even a little deeper, was just beaten uh, against claimers. But you know, wouldn't be a shock in kind of some of the under spots in here. So I'm I'm seven, one a three six five. I'll put them in that order. I would probably use you know one three six and seven in your exotics, and we'll we'll talk about um, some pick fours and possibly even a pick five. Uh, when we finish up here So let's move to race number 7 And we'll go to the number 7 Toph She was your favorite last time out In a similar claiming race uh, 10 on 2 And she wanted to get more involved early But a lot of other horses too did too. So she was in. She ended up behind horses and somehow down on the inside. She was kept to the inside. She got steadied when she wanted to run. You know what? It was a better effort than it looks like on paper. And she had some trouble, which it does not mention at all. I'm gonna make the seven my top selection in here. Um, I'm, I'm gonna kind of take a shot against the one. Love to learn. I mean, if you want to use the one, go ahead. But I'm okay with with playing against. Love to learn who was your runner-up behind Tool at Sam Houston two starts back But just overall has not been a win machine And I expected a little bit more at Oaklawn Park against that group I don't I don't think she was facing like the the toughest group in the world there at Oaklawn So we'll use the, the seven on top We'll use the two headlining who came to Sam Houston and was a nice winner We'll use the eight Rose LaRue who should come rolling late for Carl Broberg We'll use the three Amber Dean, who's a little sneaky, has some speed, drops in class, puts a couple races together now. Wouldn't be shocked to see her a lot, lot closer than she was last time out, where she never really had a shot when she didn't break. And then, you know, the one love to learn, who I wouldn't keep out of all of your exotics, but if you're playing like the pick four, I'm okay with playing against love to learn. You just can't use the favorite in every single race. And I like a couple other of the. Short price horses later in the sequence Better I feel like they're ones that to, to use and, and we'll take a shot against here uh, The one Let's go to race number 8 And we'll start with the one trophy bridal Who you know I really like you know, Last time out was in the slop And it was a slow start from the rail In the mud was outrun Was double digit lengths behind Angled to the center of the racetrack And really closed well That was going 6 after a bad start Now you're going to go 6.5 You get a little more distance to work with and it looks like there's a pretty good amount of speed in here. With I'm a barn cat, you know you're going to get some speed. And I'm a barn cat will try to stretch out from five to six and a half furlongs. I think he's she's the one to beat, and she is probably the one they'll have to all catch and run down. But if barn if I'm a barn cat doesn't win, it's probably because she doesn't want to go this far, and it's likely because she was pushed by some of the other speed in here, which should benefit the likes of the one trophy bridle and the six saucy at midnight. Who gets Parker to jump aboard Coming in from um, Oaklawn And You know Churchill prior to that They're just kind of trying to figure where this mare fits 
and, and what level she belongs at and against what company. So Saucy at Midnight is kind of a nice wild card to include in some of your exotics. I'm going to use one, five, and six in the exotics. Trophy Bridal, the top selection. We'll make a win wager if we can get like six to one or so. The five, I'm a barn cat, is a must use. And then the wild card, Saucy at Midnight. Race number nine. Ten claimers, mile on the turf course. Let's go three deep in here with the the twelve. We'll begin with Blushing Kitten. I'm just going to give her her last start, right? If you're able to excuse the last and put a line right through that, why wouldn't she fit off of you know the races at Louisiana Downs and Lone Star last year and, and even the races at Sam Houston prior to that where when she won against First Level and Allowance Company? She likes this turf course. She needed the last start. She's going to take a step forward in here. I don't think the outside draw will hurt her that much because she's probably just going to take back and then make one late run anyway. So she shouldn't be the type who's like a presser who ends up getting hooked wide. The 11 will use Sage's Epiphany, Broberg. This looks like the one to beat, like looking for the the back-to-back victories. I think she's a must-use. She's perfect over this turf course in two. And she could be really, really tough in here. And then the three, Magic in Motion. Broberg, you know, the, the Broberg horses complement each other well in here because this mare has speed. She's stretching back out from five furlongs to a mile. If you notice two back, she finished second when she showed the uh, she showed the way right here at Sam Houston early on before fading. I think that'll be the same game plan again. Put this one on the lead, and if she can steal the race, great. If not, you get the, uh, the 11 Sages Epiphany to come running for Broberg. So we'll use... Two of the Brobergs with our three, uh, with with out of the three that we include in here. So the twelve blushing kitten on top of the eleven on top of the three, and then we'll use the uh, the one to kick off the tenth race at Sam Houston. That is a fleet sniper, a fleet sniper's December fifteenth race going a mile. That's the one I like. There were three next out winners out of that race. The horse Kansas City Zip who just beat. This a fleet sniper was fourth that day, and a fleet sniper had a good start. Settled five off, was in sixth, made an early move up to fourth, was just a couple lengths off, was a four wide bid at the top of the lane, was up to take the lead, and just missed second. And it really looked like he got second that day when he ran third on December the fifteenth. And then last out, he was way slowest, but he recovered really well. He was looking for a spot, he had to hesitate, and then he got beat to a few different spots. He, he ran in bits, and he showed that he, he has a little something, and I think he's going to improve coming back to a mile. We're going to put the one, a fleet sniper, on top in here and use in all of the exotics. We'll make a win wager if we can get maybe, you know, six to one. And the eight, tight ten. Look at some of the races that he's come out of. I mean, he, he's multiple graded stakes placed. He was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He faced War of Will in the Lecompte. And after that, he tried an allowance race at Saratoga. He was behind Performer, who's a grade three winner. And there were three next out winners from that race. He took a horse named Honest Mischief, who is a $100,000 stakes winner at Laurel. Then you, you, know, you see Kansas City Zip, who has recently come back to win a 25,000 non-winners of four. And tight 10 last out was one of the best starts he's had in a while. It was a slow beginning. He wanted to get involved early, but then four others showed speed. He got stuck in some traffic. He had to tap on the brakes. He shuffled back. He lost a length plus. He lost some momentum. And then he got stuck inside toward the rear. He was up on the scene late for third. 
he's not really like a stone cold closer. He wants to be close because I think he's kind of one pace. So just expect them to try to get him a lot closer early on. I think he's going to be right up in the mix. The number eight tight ten. The number six War Eagle War Argyle is no doubt the one to beat. He's been the runner up four times in a row. Now he's going to go third start off the very long layoff. He should be absolutely set for his best. This should be no excuses day for War Argyle. And then the number four Bell Ringer, if you want to go a little deeper, has some speed. Was able to crush a field going long on the grass last time out. A lot of times when horses figure out what they're supposed to do, they get a win or two. Uh, they get a win, then they end up coming right back and winning. So um, maybe you include on, on some of your deeper tickets. Let's talk about our plays throughout the day at Sam Houston. Race number one, the number seven, Quinn Ella, the horse to play. And let's play a pick three. We'll use the two seven with the three four seven. With the four seven nine eleven dollar pick three there, let's go to race number two. Let's play a pick four fifty cent pick fours. We'll use three four seven on one ticket with four seven nine eleven, with three seven with one nine, and then our other ticket will be four seven with four seven nine eleven with two three five seven with one nine. In race number six, this is the start of the late pick five. Couple different approaches for you. You could play one pick five where you go uh, one seven with one two three seven eight with one five six with three eleven twelve with one four six eight. You can play another uh, one on the other side where it's uh, one seven. If you want to go deeper, you know you can go three and the six there. Uh, two three seven eight with one five with three eleven twelve with one six and eight. And you heard the the way I have the horses ranked in each one. If you need to cut them out or uh, if you ever have any questions. Always love to hear from you. Shoot me a message, please, on Twitter. It's me, Gino B, Facebook.com slash Gino Bacola. Love interacting with all of you. So make sure the horses to include throughout the day in your exotics. Uh, race one, the number seven, Quinn Ella. Race three, the number 11, Bob's Bad Boy. Race five, the number one, Big Tiny. Race six, the number seven, Destiny Awaits. Race eight, the number one, Trophy Bridal. And race 10, the number one, A Fleet Sniper. Best of luck if you can please subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. If it's on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, tune in anywhere you can. Share the show around with your friends. Uh, we we absolutely could use uh, all of your help out there spreading the good word, the word of mouth, for that's what G said. Joey Cleveland, close this show out, my friend. <laughs>